1: Welcome into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Jeff
0: Hartley, who
1: does a great job covering the team and is, has been uh, producing some great bi-week content and, and wanted to bring him on here to, to kind of talk more about that. Jeff, thanks for for hopping on here, and, and we've kind of reached the midway point of the year now.
2: Yeah, and things aren't going the way that we all thought they would prior to the season. Yep. Uh, I've, I've written... You know, I'm kind of, and I will continue to delve into why that is. I do want to point out that there are positives to A&M's current, current situation with regards to the future, uh, but yeah, this is a program that certainly hasn't met expectations. There's a number of reason for, reasons for that, and uh, hey, we can we can go into those in the great detail.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I certainly want to get your take on, on some of those young players. There's there's been a ton of them that have played um, and there's been, there's been some bright spots there, obviously with, with Evan Stewart chief among them, but what looking at this team, obviously you mentioned falling short of expectations again, top 10 team coming into the year now sits at three and three. Is it injuries you've seen as the primary issues or inexperience or where, where do you think things have kind of gone
2: wrong? And, in the first half for a and I, I definitely think the injury – you know, I wrote a, a piece about the injuries. A&M's – you know, last year they they lost over 100-player games. Uh, Fifteen players set out at least one game. Eight of them had started at least one game prior to the 2021 season. Uh, you're, you've kind of run into the same thing again. It's been more piecemeal. Uh I, I think something it, it, it's not you know, because of the fact that we're only ha- at the midway point, there's some guys who won't play as the rest of the year. And so you're the the number of player games missed is going to increase pretty significantly while the number of players who have missed time will stabilized to an extent so as a result i think you've got about 40 player games missed and about 19 players and all who have missed at least one game uh that's still a lot that doesn't include guys who were injured prior to the season uh and weren't supposed to play this year uh bobby taylor's of the world uh you know, but also you've got guys like Gabriel Brownlow Dindy who were kind of projected by some people to be back by now. They they set out the spring, they weren't 100 percent participants in fall camp, but they still hadn't played a game. Didn't include those guys, but it was kind of, if you did, the number would be even higher. And what's happened is regardless of, of why the injuries have occurred, the bottom line is is that the Experience AM was supposed to have a layer of experience um, that meant that they might have to ask freshmen to play roles or prominent roles, excuse me, at only a couple of spots. Instead, you're asking them to play roles at multiple spots. Uh, you know, just like in the receiving core, we, we always thought that the freshmen, like Evan Stewart, Chris Marshall, at least one of the tight ends, would be playing a lot more as the season went on. But, you know, the other night, I think they, the the three of them, Donovan Green, Stewart, and Marshall, played the majority of the snaps at their positions on the road in a game against the top-ranked team in the country. Don't know that everybody really projected that. And in addition, you're you're kind of lacking a nice Smith out there as well, who's gone for the year. You're playing Moose Muhammad. Muhammad has actually been pretty productive during his two, you know, his, his two games as a starting slot. Nonetheless, you're asking these kids to not just play 20 snaps a game, you're asking them to play 40 snaps a game, 60 snaps a game, because the guy, the veterans, the more physically emotionally, and and mentally mature veterans that were supposed to be filling those snaps, they're not available. And even though they may have been been missing a game or two, uh, that can be significant at times. In addition, it's really interrupted the continuity of what A&M's trying to do. they've, They've had different combinations in the defensive line. They've had different combinations in the offensive line, and especially in the offensive line, they're going through the same thing that they went through the first half of last year where they've had, I, I think, again, four to five different combinations of offensive linemen. So given the lack of continuity, given the youth, you're, you're, you're just having to play all these guys and ask more than, than was originally anticipated. And that's played a role in the fact that AM's you know, three and three, they got upset by an unranked team, and then they went on the road and, and took a beat down from another unranked team at the time. Uh, and, and so for the second half of the year, the schedule shouldn't be quite as onerous. a uh, and only got a couple of road games. A couple of games away from home, much like the front half, but you know South Carolina, you know Mississippi State and Alabama and Arkansas away from Kyle Field, as opposed to Auburn and South Carolina away from Kyle Field, or different animals. In addition, the freshmen should continue to get better, uh, so you would expect to see A and M second half record at least. In theory, second half record should be better than the first half record. But we'll, we'll wait and see, depending on, you know, are there any more injuries, you know, what happens at the quarterback, yada, yada, yada.
1: No doubt. And how much do you think they can build off that Alabama game, especially when you look at a guy like Donovan Green, you know, at that tight end spot and, and Evan Stewart, do you think that Alabama game can be a bit of a building block and, and kind of the light bulbs start to come on for those guys? I, I
2: think people think it's a building block. Um, yeah. And the thing is, last year the Alabama game was a building block for a few games. Unfortunately, a and then had to go on the road and take on Ole Miss, and they had to go on the road and take on LSU, and those proved to be problematic games. Uh, the thing is, AM when a and has been placed in, in like must-win or now I would even say must-play-well situations, what I like to call program games, where your program really starts to go, you know, your one game can affect your your either the rest of the season or your ne- or at least your next two or three games. They've typically played well in those types of contests. The problem is, is that they can't, it, it's been hard for them to sustain that either over the life of the program or for the rest of the season. The Florida game in 2020 turned out to be a harbinger of what occurred for the remainder of the season. Uh, that hasn't always happened, and as a result, they may have played up to the competition against an Alabama and then played down to the competition against an Appalachian State. And that's what – while they've done that for first half of the season, they can't have that happen in the second half of the season because – People tend to sit there and go, oh, well, you know, based on what happened against Alabama, we can, we can win the rest of our games, or based on what happened against Appalachian State and Mississippi right. State, oh, we're gonna, we're, we're not going to make a bowl game. The, what happens in college football is that every season is different, and every week is different. And while we can discern trends, the bottom line is this. A&M is not good enough to take any opponent lightly for the remainder of the 2022 season. If they don't do that, they'll be much better positioned to finish strongly in 2022 than they otherwise would. But it's going to be hard to predict due to the youth of this team and the intensity level that they play at as to whether or not they'll finish strongly or not. No doubt. Their intensity obviously was was at a different level for
1: the Alabama game, but that was also kind of the Super Bowl of the year. You mentioned the offensive line, and, and I think that's – been right at the heart of the issues for the most part the, the first half of the year. Are you surprised at all about coming into the year? Obviously, you got Ruben Fothery and Bryce Foster and, and Layden Robinson's obviously been banged up. But have you been surprised at, at the struggles they've had considering
2: they had a couple pieces at least returning coming into the year? I think everybody's surprised because yeah. they returned three out of five starters. Uh, Mm -hmm. And two of them, Foster and Father, who were coming off freshman All-American seasons, They were, you would have expected them to play better in their second years to have marked improvement. Uh, You had Layden Robinson, who's a very, very nice piece, considered a lot of people to be one of the top interior linemen available for the 2023 draft. Even if he's not the top guy, he's certainly in the conversation for the top. Uh, You know, your left tackle – People in the program expected Trey Zune to be an upgrade over what a and had in 2021 at the position uh, when they, you know, surrendered something you know, over 30 pressures uh, at that particular spot, which was one of the highest totals in the SEC and, and was a real issue when it came to, when it came to getting productivity out of the quarterback spot uh, left guard, you know, you, you were going to be able to plug plug in uh, Jordan Sp- Moko, who, yeah. b- you know, projected, you know, his four-star coming out of junior college, didn't have a lot of experience, projected to be a pretty good football – you know, a pretty solid football player at least. You know, big, strong guy, should have been able to hold his own at least physically. Failing that in fall camp, uh, they still had Aki gump a Gumby, who, who had had starting experience, uh, and they've really liked him coming out of fall camp. All of that's kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, Zune missed a game with injury. Foster had mono, missed time in fall camp, and then missed first two games as precaution. Robinson has re- reportedly a high ankle sprain that's hobbled him. He wasn't You know, for all his power, he wasn't the most agile guy. And so that's kind of affected his play. It's affected his play moving laterally. It's affected his play probably in terms of being able to come off the ball, generate power on, on, you know, more straight-ahead blocks. Fathery has probably been the most consistent. Uh, I I think Aki, he's kind of moved around – I don't think that's done him a service, but on the other hand, he, he, he kind of struggled as a, as a run blocker in 2021, and he's also kind of, uh, you know, he hasn't lived up to what they thought of him in fall camp. And, again, Zune also kind of struggled a little bit coming out of fall camp as well. But, again, an offensive line is the sum of its parts more than any other mm-hmm. aspect of your football program. A just hasn't had any continuity. You know, Foster missed a couple of games. Zunes missed a game. Uh, Moko's had surgery; he's out for an undetermined period of time. You know, so they're just kind of again. It, it's just been kind of hit and miss. And so you're not a you know you got a guy playing either side of you, and that's maybe changing on a week to week basis. You're trying to work out blocks where. You know, you, you, you combo block a guy on the line and then you work off that and somebody has to get to the second level. You have pass protection where you've got to hand people off uh, and trust the guy to pick up someone who stunts away from you. And we've seen this particularly in the on, on the pass pro side where A&M has had – a lot of issues with gut pressure their last two football games. You know, just people coming up the A-gap or people running twists and stunts. And as a result, their quarterbacks, you know, Max Johnson got knocked out of the Mississippi State game. You know, Haynes King didn't necessarily get knocked, you know, may or may not be injured now and knocked out of subsequent games. So because of all that, they've, they haven't been able to get Devin a chain into as many chunk plays as they would like. Uh, and he's a guy that you want touching the ball 20 times. With the other night against Miami, he touched it 20 times. I think he had like 65 yards of total offense. Mississippi State, he had 16 carries but he only had like 116 yards. And, yeah, they were able to get him going on some drives, but they weren't able to pop him for like that long run that you saw against Arkansas uh, where – or even some of the uh, plays he had against Miami that, you know, it it shortened drives and made it easier for them to score. So, overall, it's been a limiting factor on the offense – and it's probably – you know, unless they can get people back and keep them together, it's going to continue to be a limiting factor on the offense. I think one of the things that people miss, missed on last year was the fact that when that offensive line came together and stayed together in the last half of 2021, they were a different unit than they were in the first half of 2021. And they got better as an offense, and in particular – they were able to run the football, even though the pass pro issues continued. Right now, this season, because of that lack of continuity and they're missing people, and they're still a relatively young group. You know, Robinson's an upper Robinson's really the only upperclassman with experience. Uh, they haven't even been able to run the ball. And so that leads to when you look at the offensive stats nationally, AM ranks in the 90s and the hundreds and you know is that going away in the second half of 2022 we'll see it's very difficult to project right now what did you think of
1: um another guy that kind of saw action against Alabama what did you think of Cam Duberry and what he kind of did in that Alabama game
2: it, he proved to be someone who played with power and could anchor to an extent uh he, he you know he he He's a freshman, so he's working his way through some things. But he's got an NFL body, uh, you know. It needs to, you know. You, you can work on that a little bit, but nonetheless, he he's a big guy who's not going to surrender. You know, he's not going to surrender ground very easily. Uh, he's certainly someone that, if any more injuries happen on the interior of that group you'd really like to see him get more snaps because yeah he's probably going to struggle in some things uh but get him snaps let him get better uh because i know that jimbo fisher wants to be able to win as many games as he possibly can because you know if you if you have the chance to go nine and three you've got to be able to take it to you know, these days it's not just about salvaging your recruiting classes, also making sure that you give the guys on your roster hope too so they don't hit the portal. And so A&M needs to try to make that run and, and try to play as as good a bowl as possible. But on the other hand, you've also got to have an eye for the future. And this team we already knew was going to be a better team uh, – in 2023 and 2024 than it was in 2022. And one season doesn't necessarily – as, we you know, you look at 2020 Michigan versus 2021 Michigan, one doesn't have as much to do with the other. And so you're playing for the – you're playing for the future now. There's no question about that. And so you might as well try to give these young guys as many snaps as possible So that no matter what happened in twenty twenty two, what they did in twenty twenty two is going to help them out in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four when you when you really have a chance to be an elite team.
1: No doubt. And we're gonna we're gonna look ahead to that second half of the, the schedule right after a quick break.
3: iXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. iXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using iXL are scoring higher on tests. Powered by advanced algorithms, iXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Rather than looking at multiple programs to help your child in different subjects, one subscription gets you everything with iXL Learning. And all the kids in your home work off one
1: I welcome back into the Giggum twenty four seven Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, again joined by Jeff Tarpley. Jeff, a lot of people kind of look at this team, and and to your point that you mentioned right before the break, team currently sits at three and three. A lot of folks speculate, hey, we're a, we've got the Alabama game out the way now. You know, a couple of the tough road games out the way now. We can, you know, a And M can just go ahead and rattle off six straight wins to to end the year and finish at nine and three. Um, that would obviously be, as you mentioned, what, what Jimbo Fisher would love to, to have happen. What do you think are the reasonable expectations for the second half of the year? And, and is
2: it kind of that game to
1: game approach that you kind of talked about earlier?
2: I think you've got to take it game to game because you, the way the injuries are piling up, you just don't really know who's going to be available right game to game. Uh, I think from an intensity standpoint, from a focus standpoint, you can't just sit there and assume that, hey, A&M gets Florida at home. Florida has not been a great team. Therefore, A&M should win that game. Um, LSU, they get A&M, uh, A&M gets LSU at home. LSU has not been a great team. Therefore, they should win that game. I think you have to approach every game as if it's going to be a dogfight, and you have to go in and play your best. If A and M does this, even though they may have the injury issues, they're going to give themselves their best chance to win. But if their focus kind of ebbs and flows, uh, then that's going to cause problems for them. And games on the surface that they may that you might feel better about than others you have to assume that they're all going to be in play. This team tends to play close games, as we've seen. They've only had two one-sided games so far this year. Jimbo Fisher has seemingly wanted to play close games uh, to keep his team in it. That doesn't always work out. So you just have to go in and be prepared and be focused to do the best you can while understanding that every game's probably going to come down to the wire because, A, you're, you're not the team that you thought you were before the season started, but also because if you're going to have a chance to, you know, you're, you're kind of – if you watch AM, you know they're going to kind of play toward making these contest one-score games anyway.
1: And everybody obviously kind of looks at the quarterback position, and I, and I think there's a lot of questions right now about that position heading into the second half of the year, the health of Haynes King, chief among them. Um, looking at some of those young players and, and keeping an eye towards the future, where do you see Connor Wegman kind of factoring in the second half of the year? Do you think it's important to get him some reps? And, you know, where, how do you think AM kind of looks to use him?
2: Again, this is, you know, this, you, know you have to put yourself inside Jimbo Fisher's mind uh, yes. depending on Haynes King's injury. The decision may be taken out of Jimbo Fisher's hands if Haynes King's injuries are serious enough that he just can't play or he's not at 100%, uh, not near 100%. So the decision may be made for Jimbo Fisher. I, I think everybody wants to sit there and play for next year. That's easier said than done given the fact that how you finish this season will impact your recruiting and also impact yep. how people perceive your program in the locker room, uh, which we, ha- you know, we as observers haven't, and, and, and Fisher and his staff, as coaches, we haven't had to deal with that much before we're, we're having, it's, it's a very real phenomenon now though, because of the transfer portal. Yep. So Fisher has to kind of try to find a balance. And again, if, if, The decision is made for him, that's one thing. And then Wegman, everybody really, really liked him in spring ball, and everybody really, really liked him in fall camp. They thought he was, you know, ahead of his time in terms of his poise and and decision-making. He's got the best arm of the three quarterbacks, King, Johnson, Wegman. Uh, So that's another factor. Uh, if you're really going to be at your best in 2023 and 2024, that should push you towards seeing, you know, what he can do and getting him experience. But also there's the standpoint that Wegman will, he, he's got to, you've got to be able to protect him down the stretch of the season if he's the guy. Yep. You can't just sit there and throw them out there. And this is a team that's had enormous problems protecting their quarterbacks so far this year. They had enormous problems protecting them last season. So you're sending them out there. Fortunately, you've got, you know, if, if this is the case, you've got one really hostile environment left at South Carolina. I mean, they're, this is, you know, this is going to be a big game for South Carolina. They feel like they've got a chance to beat AM. Uh, that stadium's probably going to be as packed and as loud as it has been in a long, long time uh, because they truly have a chance to feel like they can show people, hey, look, we're turning our program around. They're going to have recruits in the stadium. Uh, it, it's going to be a big, big game. So from that standpoint, though, you've got that game, you got top ten Ole Miss, or what is the top ten Ole Miss team coming in right now? You've got LSU, which is going to be – a night game at Kyle Field, two teams that don't like each other very much, that will play each other hard eat, no matter what their win loss records. So, Wedman's still going to have issues with who he plays down the stretch. He's got to be able to learn things, but you've also got to be able to protect him. And it's going to be real interesting to see how AM balances all that out. Uh, again, the Wegman versus King decision may be taken out of Jimbo Fisher's hands. If it's Wegman, then you've got to be able to keep him upright and not beat up so much so that he's able to process thing, process things and learn. If you sit in, if you send him out there and he gets beat up and he's not learning anything, then you really haven't done himself or your program any favors. And instead of sitting there going, well, Hey, this guy is our quarterback of the future. Then that kind of casts out on things going into the offseason exactly. as well. So you've got to be very, very careful about how you handle all of this as you go forward into the season and then into of the offseason. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, Wegman has all the tools. A&M's just got to be able to figure out a way to protect him, even maybe at the cost of some of their productivity, so that he's learning things not on the fly, but he's learning things and able to process and understand them so that he'll be a much better player in 2023 and 2024 than he is right now. No doubt. It's a tough it's, – it's, it's kind of that fine line to be able to navigate,
1: obviously trying to win as many games as you can and, and getting him experience as well. Uh, final one for you, and I think this just kind of looks ahead to that second half of the year. With all the issues A&M's had, whether it's defending the run, whether it's along the offensive line, playing youth players, what areas do you maybe see as being, you know, fixable, and what areas are are just going to have kind of lingering issues?
2: It's interesting that A&M gave up 288 yards rushing the other night. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be blunt. They were, they were fortunate. They were facing a backup quarterback that's, you know, Struggled mightily to throw the football, to protect the football uh, in the pocket, stripped twice, had had a hard time keeping both hands on the football. Just a lot going on, you could see. Uh, Got the turnovers out of them, but also allowed, again, allowed 288 yards, allowed the three passing TDs. Uh, A&M's got to get better at stopping the run. Part of that is youth, but they've also got to get much, much better linebacker play. Uh, they, they've got to have the veterans play well on defense, better on defense in the front seven. Uh, that's, a, that's been a very underrated aspect of everything because a and you know, they kept, they, they kind of kept the Appalachian state off the board. They kept, uh, Miami off the board. They kept the Arkansas game manageable, uh, you know, Alabama, was manageable, but that was more on Alabama probably than it was A&M. And I know everybody likes to think, well, that was a great defensive effort. But, you know, the, the, the defensive numbers from a rushing standpoint and some of the big plays – big play standpoint, still weren't where they needed to be. A&M really needs to tighten that up over the back half of the year. Getting McKinley Jackson back would be – was a start in that. But – they have got to get better play at linebacker. They just, they just really do. And they've got to find, they've got to get some of their veterans back. uh, uh To me, Adelaide, Adelaide. They, they got to get him back into the lineup. He's been injured. Uh, You know, as long as they, they're still missing key pieces, I think it's going to continue to be a struggle to stop the run and, you know, the back end of the secondary, they're in better shape that, that, you know, combination of Gilbert, Richardson, and, and Johnson across the back end of the defense is, is a pretty solid group. They're You know, with the exception of Gilbert, they're a pretty veteran group. And so they've got to tighten all that up. Uh, they've got the talent to do it, but they've got to play much, much better on defense in order – because at some point you are what you are, and while there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball, it, it's got to start playing so that you don't you're not just sitting there looking at four and five star guys and going, oh yeah, we're projecting that guy to do this in 2023 and 2024 and 2025. There's got to be there's got to be some productivity right now, and and down the stretch of the 2022 campaign, so that. We're looking – we're not just projecting anymore. We're going, hey, this guy did this, and we can build on that. And it's showing in the numbers – in the numbers that that we're seeing over the second half of the season. I really like A&M to to have better numbers on on the rush defense end uh, and get better at forcing turnovers to give the offense – a chance to play on the opponent's end of the field. Because you'll notice one thing, we don't like to make this connection. Um, you know, we talk about playing complimentary football. AM mm-hmm. tends to play one score games and they do so regardless of whether it's, it's it's 17 to 10 or whether it's 24 21. And one of the th- and one of the reasons it was a 24 21 game the other night was because they were able to get some ter- turnovers in Alabama territory. And as, and as somewhat limited as the offense is, they were able to take those in. And every time Alabama threatened to pull away, AM got back in the football game, not just on the scoreboard, but emotionally, which played a huge role in the fact that this was a one score game and AM had the ball at Alabama's three yard line for one last play. It's. It, a A&M has got to be able to continue to understand that playing complementary football doesn't just mean that you're trying to keep someone out of the end zone. At some point, you've also got to help your offense get in the end zone as well. And the offense, I think, at least from a pro- productivity standpoint, they put points on the board the other night without having to drive 70, 80 yards. I thought that was huge. If they can do more of that in the second half of the season and not be so focused perhaps on the bend-but-don't-break style of play, then maybe you give the offense an injection of confidence that we saw with the young receivers making more plays than what we had seen them do in in previous games. And you also perhaps give a a quarterback – you know, Haynes King – played with more confidence and he had confidence in his receivers. So that, you know, that played a role in, 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 the receivers looking better, but also it might play a role if in a freshman quarterback looking better and giving him confidence down the stretch of the season, if you have to play him.
1: No doubt. And actually one more for you to end on, on more of, on a positive note as well, are there any of those younger guys of, of all the young players that have have kind of played so far in the first half of the year? Any that have stood out to you as, as particularly exciting and, and ones that, that you think have a really bright future
2: at a Well, of course, Stuart and Donovan Green have had their moments. Yeah. Uh, and especially Stuart from the standpoint that he's finally figuring out, you know, in general, how to, you know, not just where to go, but also maybe to help the quarterback out and find – grass to gravitate to which Muhammad is really really good at uh so that he can get in position to make plays on the football which we're seeing more and more out of him uh I I, you know I I, even though Jordan Gilbert has a year in the system uh he's been pretty solid uh as, as a deep guy uh you know he could be better, but he, you know, the other night he made a play. He 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 made a very nice play on that interception that he had. Uh, I, I think that you're getting flashes of Walter Nolan. He's got to stay healthy. Uh, when he stays healthy, I think you really you you see how good he can become. The problem is, he'll have a flash, and you go wow, but then he'll leave the field, and and so that kind of be an issue Denver Harris uh, you know he's he's he, he's got some growing pains but you can see how good he's going to be uh, in terms of his ability to be physical with people to play them close uh, to not be afraid to combat people for the football uh, Jared Curry, you know, had a nice game coming in, at the, coming in at the dime nickel slot the other night. Uh, they were able to get involved and get him involved on a blitz. Bryce Anderson, don't want to forget him. People, have, he he he's kind of banged up, so he he has, you know, he's he's kind of only when he sees the field now. He's only kind of playing special teams, I think. But when he got extended minutes in that Miami game, uh, you really didn't miss Damani Richardson who's a quality playmaker, you didn't miss him nearly as much as what you thought you would have. And he was able to get in there, be physical, make stops, show up in the box score. Uh, he had the one long crossing route uh, where he didn't take a great angle. But you know what? He's a young guy. He's going to get better in that regard. But for the most part, A&M's, arguably a A&M's best defensive player was out of that game. Didn't miss him, did you? Uh, that's important. Uh, so I think those young guys will, as they play more, they're going to do nothing but get better because there's game rep, practice reps are one thing, game reps are an entirely different scenario. Uh, another Cam Dewberry, you know, after seeing him just for stretches against Alabama the other night, you really want to see more of him, uh, especially with Moko being gone now. Because he's just, he's got that type of, he's got an NFL quality body that Moko had that could make him a physical football player, you know, in, 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 in especially on, in terms of, 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 the gap. When AM went to gap schemes and pull people, uh, he really benefited from that. I think Dewberry could be a, a, a beneficiary as well. So you want to see more of him. Uh, and you know what? We'll just see how the season progresses. And I think AM has to kind of pick and choose its spots with the young guys, but they need to be one way or another. I think they're going to have to be more aggressive about playing those young guys down the stretch because they've just got it. You know, again, for Jimbo Fisher, depending on injuries, depending on opponent, he's, and, you know, it's going to be easier to play those younger guys at home than it will be on the road. So take advantage of your circumstances when you can, when you have them, and and get them some reps with an eye toward building toward twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four while trying to win as many games as possible in twenty twenty two. No doubt, the
1: second half of the schedule certainly sets up better. Uh, just when you look at the schedule, that that gauntlet of Alabama, Mississippi State, and South Carolina was was always going to be tough. Jeff, thanks so much for for joining us, and yeah, we'll look ahead on on Monday to. To South Carolina and and you know, it's gonna be a fascinating second half of the year. There's still certainly a lot for AM to play for, and like you mentioned, in terms of records. So Jeff, thanks again for joining
2: us. Yeah, let me make one one last yeah. point here. Uh you know, in terms of looking at the second half of the season, and I, I made the point, hey, look, you gotta win for the people in your locker room as much as you do the people outside your locker room and I know this may sound far-fetched, but Jimbo Fisher, always an optimistic guy sitting there going, if you win six straight games to end the – if your perception of your last loss is you were one one score, one play versus Alabama, and then you find a way to win six straight games to end the 2022 season, how many teams are going to be better than you in the SEC by the end of the season if you do that? Uh, oh, miss, maybe. Um, uh, you know, that you know, that makes that game against them perhaps a, a very, very important game. But how many games in the S? You know, Kentucky's already lost a couple outings. Uh, there could be more losses on the way, depending on the health of, of, of Will Levis. Uh, you know, Florida's kind of up and down, and they're not a complete team. Billy Napier has them playing well. But they're not a complete team. Uh, there's Tennessee, who's pro- who's probably the third. You know, you could, you know, if there's a outside of Georgia and Alabama, they're they're certainly the third best team in in the league right now. But they've still got to play Georgia down the stretch. Uh, they've got to play Alabama down the stretch. So there's a chance there that if A and M can win out, and other teams start taking losses. That the perception of a and might be that they're worthy of a better bowl than what you think they might be as of today. Yes. I'm not saying that they would, you know, that they're going to be in uh, a a New Year's Six bowl uh, as the third best team in the league uh, behind Alabama and Georgia, with both of those teams going to playoffs but it's not out of the realm of possibility that they couldn't find their way into one of the other New Year's 6 bowls if Tennessee gets gets that gets that sugar bowl spot and and certainly there's other New Year's day type of bowl games they could be playing in so you know don't give up on them yet no matter how they've looked no matter what you think their perception might be because They've got enough talent and the schedule sets up that they could and, and and other teams have yet to take their lumps, that they things could set up to where they could end the season on a high note or a higher note than what you perceive, and they could play in a better bowl game than what you think they could as of today.
1: No doubt. And I think you bring up a good point on that front too, that if they if they were to end up at nine and three, then suddenly you start to look at, like you mentioned with all the young players that have played nine and three and and looking to head towards the future with Chris Marshall, Evan Stewart, Shamar Stewart, Walter Nolan, and all these guys that have got young experience. Suddenly the the picture starts to change a little bit in terms of the outlook for 2023 and 2024. So, you know, I, I certainly agree with you in terms of the pecking order and, and, and there's still a lot of football to be played.
2: Also, you're going to affect, you know, A&M has been ranked in the top 10 the last two years and, and, they finished 2021 unranked, they finished 2022, you know, or excuse me, as of right now, they're, they're unranked. So if you're going to get people's attention and get them to have faith in you for 2023 and 2024, you better find a way to finish 2022 on as high note as possible so that you don't start out with your perception. And I know that the CFP doesn't start ranking teams until a certain point of the year and and that's supposed to remove those types of of biases uh, that nonetheless, rankings are really important in college football. So you want to be perceived. You don't want people sitting there going, Hey, I'm not falling for this again. You want them to have enough faith in you so that you start out ranked as high as possible so that your perception during twenty starting twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four sets you up to finish as high as possible in those two seasons, based on how you do during those seasons.
1: No doubt, you have to capitalize on on of course having those high rankings and and you know at least from a recruiting standpoint, being able to build yourself up as a potential top ten team certainly helps going through the summer. It obviously comes down to to what you do on the field, but. But all around, you know, to have that perception at least coming out of the year, I I certainly think there's there's a lot left to play for these last six games.
2: I would certainly agree with that,
1: no doubt. Well, we'll, we'll be back on on Monday um, to look ahead to that South Carolina game. Also, going to have uh, my recruiting folks on next week to to kind of look ahead to the AM class. So be sure to stay tuned to that and and, and give their thoughts from a scouting perspective on on some of those 2020 three guys that are going to be the futures of this program as well. Jeff, enjoy the bye week and enjoy a day of football without having to to worry about covering A&M, and, and we'll chat again soon.
2: Thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it.